0: Hey guys, just a quick heads up that this is the interview taken from the full The Gym Session podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the complete episode, you can find it on the Footy Live app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. If you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and share. If you're not, try to do it anyway so I can keep my job. Uh, That's all from me. Enjoy the interview and do all that stuff I said before so I can get my job. Okay, today's guest is one of the most inspirational individuals the football world has ever seen. Through a five and a half year career at the highest level, he not only delivered a fairytale flag to the Western Bulldogs, he raised awareness and recognition of the mental health pressures modern players face every day. Through his courage to speak out and share his story, this man has inspired, taught and changed the lives of many. After retiring from the AFL at 23 years of age, he's helping others through public speaking, visiting schools and mentoring those who need it most. I'm so excited to chat to him today. It is the one and only Mr. Tom Boyd. Tommy, how are you, mate?
1: Well, uh, after that intro, pretty uh, pretty bloody good. It's a uh, very nice way to be welcome into the conversation. Thanks for the intro and, uh, yeah, happy to be here on this uh, lovely Tuesday morning.
0: That's good, mate. Um, I'm happy to have you on. I know you are a busy man. Um, post-retirement, you were studying at uni, uh, I think, straight after. You've, you've been hosting a few podcasts. You were playing local footy at Norwood and you've been sharing your story, obviously, as I mentioned, through public speaking. What does a day-to-day look like for you at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's sort of evolving over time. Um, So I finished my degree sort of over the last two or three years of my AFL career and then sort of capped it all off um, and got my degree in business management um, in 2019 and then sort of midway through last year, 2020. Um, and then also went back to play at Norwood. I've since moved to play in the Ammos uh, with St. Kevin's, which has been good. I've missed the last few games through injury, and then we have obviously the snap lockdown and uh, mm. all of the fun things that are going on in Melbourne at the moment. Um, and then uh, I've basically gone into a few different roles. Um, I've recently come on board with a company called Everperform over the last 18 months and essentially helping them build out their well-being um, Impact in terms of data analytics and, and helping companies uh, construct the best way forward in terms of helping their staff, um, you know, live happy and healthy lives, as well as obviously being productive. So, sort of marrying up the uh, the performance element with the the well being and, and care element, which I'm really passionate about, which has been a, an unbelievably um, eye opening experience for me in terms of the things that I still have to learn and. Um, and, the, and how I can help people and, and, and ever perform more broadly. So that's been a wonderful part of my day. And then obviously I've got a podcast, um, Danny Boyd, which is with Danny McGinley, a comedian, which sort of covers off on a, a bit of the fun stuff surrounding the Bulldogs, which had past players, sort of notable fans and, and the like. Uh, I'm writing a book which comes out next year around May, I think, is the current release date. So that's awesome. taking up a lot of time because yeah. I actually decided for some unknown reason to actually do the writing, which okay. is um, the, the biggest element of work associated with books, obviously. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I do a lot of public speaking and that sort of comes and goes. Obviously, um, the impacts of COVID and, and events has been significant, but – to um to companies' credits and to people's credits more generally, I think there's still a massive appetite for the messaging surrounding mental health to be at the forefront of people's minds. Um I think the the awareness piece has been wonderfully achieved over the past probably six or seven years in particular. Mm. Um and now we're really moving into the sort of advocacy and what I like to call the action stage, which is implementing things that can actually help people in a practical sense. So there are just a few other things that I do as I well was um getting married at the end of the year, a sort of renovation going on. Yeah. So yeah, life's busy at the moment, which is great. That's exactly where I want to be.
0: That's awesome, mate. And it sounds like you're, you are enjoying life, which is, is what we want to hear. Obviously after uh, 2019, you said it was very liberating the, the first few weeks because you finally had freedom to do whatever you wanted. So it obviously sounds like that's still the feeling now. And you, you, it's a, it's a bit of a change from footy life where you, where you get to decide what you do day to day.
1: Yeah. I look, I, um, I certainly um, would echo those uh, comments that I made at that stage. The one caveat I would put on it is that, you know, life as a whole is obviously challenging and and trying to create the, um, the environment or the framework that leads you to being happy all the time is, you know, the sort of never achievable Nirvana, but, creating the framework that allows you to deal with little blips on the radar in terms of stress or you know adversity or, or difficult circumstances, failure, which is obviously a part of life as a whole, um, has been really important for me. And that's been a journey, I think, the last um, two years now um, since I retired. And, and I certainly think that following those comments about how liberating it was, I probably found myself realizing that so much of my life had been dictated by other people and you know that probably echoed a little bit throughout 2020 for a lot of people where I think we all realize that our schedules are purely dictated by our work or our um, community sport or our friends or whatever other element of our lives that we rely on for structure and that gets peeled back it sort of really re- is, is quite revealing I found um, in the sense that the responsibility is obviously on us to create um, the framework that works for us and being able to sort of empower myself in the sense that I knew what I want to do, uh, what I wanted to do, and to build that over the past 18 months and get to the point where everything on my calendar is something that I've chosen to be a part of. Um, everything on my calendar is something that I'm passionate about and I'm really lucky and it's obviously taken a hell of a lot of work but um, I'm very grateful to be where I am now. Mm.
0: There was that, that perception, Tommy, that you left the game simply due to mental health issues but that that's not really the case, is it? You obviously had those injuries, there was the insomnia, you weren't <laughs> able to get your body right but, but all up, you really didn't enjoy being a football player, did you?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. It's not one I get often. Most people go, oh, you retired because of mental health and yeah. the funny thing is I remember sitting down and going through the um, – the retirement statement that we released, which is, it provided some um, detail, but it wasn't extensive. And there was one line in it that said, um, "You know, to look after my future mental and physical health, or something of that nature." Mm-hmm. And that obviously was picked up and ran with by the media and, and whoever was interested at the time. It was a very sort of simple way to portray the decision-making process. But the one thing I like to tell people is, you know, when I made the decision. Um, to retire, uh, it, it felt really quick, um, as in I made it within 24 hours. Yeah. But in all honesty, you know, like I thought about retiring in 2013 or 2014, I should say, when I first um, went to Sydney, I thought about whether it was worthwhile playing football. And these were never actionable thoughts. They were always just like, I'm not quite sure this is for me. Mm. And then slowly but surely over time, I became illuminated to the fact that it didn't fit in that well with my personality type. I felt I didn't feel comfortable being represented as um, just an AFL footballer rather than uh, as a person. And I think that that was really difficult for me to grapple with uh, over a long period of time. And then the decision was actually made sitting in the car park at Victoria University up on Ballarat Road there. Uh, And I was about to go into night school. And I often tell people I was probably learning like entrepreneurship or something like that, something that's really difficult to teach. and I'm sure it would have been a really boring class. But to me, it felt more um, in line with what I wanted to do than what football had felt for a long time. And so that's when I actually made the decision. And like like you said in the in the question, I mean, it really wasn't a simple um, equation, oh, football's bad for my mental health. It was more like, well, what, what am I passionate about? What restrictions a place to me as a footballer and what opportunity costs is it going to be to my life if I stick with football and just see out the remainder of my contract, take the money, which again felt really inauthentic to me and and go on with my life in a way that I wasn't necessarily um, thinking was going to last long term. So, um, you know, for me and, and my overall sensibilities, I think, moving on into the uh, the private sector, as it were, it was the the right decision and it certainly paid dividends since.
0: Yeah, I was really interested to hear you say once that, I think your your line of thinking there, you had a real pragmatic relationship with footy, but at like seven or eight years of age, you're already thinking, oh, like it wasn't like, oh, I, w- I want to play footy. That's a dream. It was more like, oh, that'd be a cool job to have. So you always thought of mm. it like that, like just a career, just a job. And then once what you mentioned as well, like you got into it and I think it was the, the GWS tried to extend your contract after just a couple of months already then you're thinking oh I don't know if it's for me you know that that um that thinking you had that pr- pragmatic relationship did that did, did you develop that by yourself when you were younger or is that something your parents taught you or how do you, why do you think you thought about footy like that
1: well, I'm not exactly sure I mean the origins of this thought process is difficult to ascertain exactly I, I would say that Definitely a component of it is the fact that, you know, from a really young age, I was quite um, prolific in sport, both basketball and football. So Mm. in terms of being a professional, in terms of considering that um, growth was the only option, um, enjoyment was sort of second to performance. um, And all of those, I suppose, professional elements that are indoctrinated into young aspiring sportsman from a really young age, probably took a bit of the flavor of enjoyment out of it for me. Mm. And then the actual comments surrounding um, the GWS situation where they approached me, part of that was circumstantially just the timing point of view. They approached me for an extension in January, I think it was. So basically I'd been at the club for a month and maybe a couple of weeks. So, my thought process then, and, and, you know, the offer was great. Like it was a really, really good offer. And for a young player, it was, you know, most players with eyes would have lit up. But my thought process was, you know, I'm not even sure I like this thing that I'm doing yet. You know, I'm not even sure that it's what I want to do. And, and I also, I was very aware for some reason at the time that I hadn't actually seen what an AFL football club was like during the season. Um, you know, being there for a month and a half is not a very good window into football life. And often people describe preseason as the hardest part of the year. In my opinion, I found it the easiest. I mean, certainly difficult physically, but in terms of your ability to live like a balanced life, it's much, much better than in the season. And so I sort of stacked all those things together and basically said, look, I, I'm not I'm not sure that I want to extend this so that I'm basically going to be here for four years without having enough data to... Um, to make a, an appropriate decision. And that sort of continued through my, my footballing life. And I think, look, sport is really, really difficult to play at the top level, and it's often difficult um, to discern the difference between enjoyment and performance and the job side of things as well as the love side of things. And I think I just, along the way, really lost that ability to, um, to just enjoy being out there and have the lightness of being a kid kicking the footy around, which I'd had probably a long time earlier
0: mm-hmm. that you had feel, so you, you mentioned those feelings you had before you went to the bulldogs you obviously got offered the the 1 million per year for seven years to go to the dogs now those feelings you thought they were just homesickness didn't you you didn't think it was anything more serious than that you just thought oh well uh, i'm away from home i'm away from family and friends so when i go to to melbourne i'm just gonna i'm gonna feel better about myself was it was that is that true
1: no uh, what i would say is that i, I felt that something was not right. Um, you know, the three issues specifically that I was having were first with sleep um, at the Giants, and then secondarily with something that I would later obviously learn was an anxiety issue. So, but at the time, I was really basically just feeling nervous all the time, um, particularly in meetings and um, and pre sessions, pre games, like just, but much worse than I'd sort of previously dealt with. Um, you know, in many situations, that small level of anxiety that we experience before big events can be really useful. Um, but it was getting a bit out of hand for me, and I was sort of disassociating from games that mattered and sort of permeating through my week to things that I shouldn't have been anxious about. Um, and then finally, because I was sort of dealing with the sleep and then the anxiety, and then um, I had a real big drop off on energy levels and I, I really sort of was struggling to enjoy anything, which was strange for me. And then basically what happened was that I sort of started trying to work out what it was and everyone basically said that, you know, oh, it's probably homesickness. A lot of players had experienced homesickness moving up north. You know, the club was kind of building out their support structures year by year um, in reference to where they were at from a budgeting point of view. And so obviously that was just sort of three years since the inception of the club when I arrived. So there was a few little holes in the program, I would say. Um, And then essentially, again, like being really logical and sort of believing everything I was told, probably from a naive point of view at that time, I was like, well, if I'm homesick, then why not move back to Victoria? And I'm not here to say that obviously the, the enormous and extraordinary offer the Bulldogs put to me wasn't the driving factor behind moving home but I'd already considered the likelihood of returning to Victoria at some stage. Yep. And the funny thing was, I'm sort of going through this process, with my editor at the moment. And the one thing that stands out to me when I think about um, that period of time and actually making the decision to come back to Victoria, the sort of excitement around being um, in Victoria at a club that didn't have 25 first round draft picks and also being, back near my family and friends, mm. was at least a massive component, if not the main component in terms of moving. Yeah. Um, and then the money is really hard to sort of get your head around. So it's not as tangible in terms of an 18-year-old thinking about what a million dollars a year means, as people think. So I think once I'd sort of gotten all of that together in my head, then moving back to Victoria was was a pretty easy decision, though the process obviously particularly difficult so yeah. um quite an interesting period of time in my life for sure
0: yeah what was 2016 like because obviously for the club it was a fairy tale year um but for you well you said it was it was kind of like you know paper over the cracks for you, you, you because you were swept up in the in the emotion of the year was it actually enjoyable that season or you still were thinking you know this is not what i want to do
1: no and this is um this is a, a really good question, and it's a very distinct point because it sort of plays into the, uh, I don't know, the hypocrisy of my own um, my own story, which is obviously that football wasn't enjoyable. But, you know, what I try and tell people is that obviously this stuff is complicated, and um, that period of time in particular is probably a positive blip on the radar because of the overwhelming sense of support and positivity and momentum and pick out any number of superlatives you can use to describe the Bulldogs of that period of time. But basically what I like to say is that there was some really significant issues sort of accumulating in my life throughout 2015. Um, and then throughout 2015, 16, in that preseason, it started to get particularly bad. And then throughout 2016, basically up until probably the latter end of the year, I was suffering quite significant issues. But again, once you get swallowed up by the emotion of that period of time, I think covering up the cracks is a pretty apt way to put it. And um, unfortunately for me, or fortunately for me, I think that I got to be a part of that. That was something I'm extraordinarily grateful for. But unfortunately for me in the other side or the flip side of the coin is that it really didn't give me – um, the motivation or the inclination to really focus in and deal with issues I was facing in any serious way. And so then basically going in after five or six weeks off, um, the emotion of the grand final, two surgeries, um, a limited off season, limited preseason, and then diving into 2017, it sort of was an accumulation of all of the things that were going wrong. And then obviously led to me taking some time away in that season. So you know, I, I don't know. I, I really am grateful for that period of time, 2016. I'm so happy that I was a part of such a significant day in the club's history, mm-hmm. and I'm also grateful for the people and the um, the impact we had on the broader Bulldogs community. Um, and, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But it sort of is a really interesting point where. I suppose the, the lesson for me is obviously that positivity is, is so contagious as well as negativity. And so, from our own perspective, we can make such a big impact on people's lives in that way. Because that positive energy certainly did make a massive impact on me coping at that period of time. But unfortunately, you know, there is a limit to how long these things can last. And the, uh, the chickens came home to roost, I suppose, in 2017.
0: Mm. Well, you said, you said you're grateful to be part of that day, but a lot of people are grateful for you and what you did on that day. You, you probably should have got the Norm Smith and you you helped uh, obviously break that drought, the first flag since 1954. Like you mentioned, the next year was the surgeries. You had a couple of those. Um, so you didn't really have a, a pre-season, couldn't get your body right. That, that year, was that when you, you reached out more? I think it was Lisa Stephen, was the, the psychologist mm-hmm. at the club, and she really... You know, changed your life in a, in a big way was it was it reaching out to her that helped you get through that year We'll be back after a quick break
1: Look, I, mean, I think there's a lot of things that helped me get through the year. I mean, the footballers at the club, yeah. we had a wonderful group of players. My family, my fiance Anna. Yeah. I mean, there's a thousand things that were um, in the plus column. But one thing that I, I will say from a decision-making point of view, um, you know, I, I was lucky. I had a relationship with Lisa that extended beyond um, a, a regular relationship um, in terms of I didn't have to call her up out of the blue when I was really, really struggling in 2017. She'd obviously been a part of the leadership and strategy of the football club. Um, she'd helped me previously in terms of mindset and basically um, performance um, in terms of goal kicking or staying in the moment and, and understanding some of the sort of more, um, what, what do you call it? Neuroscience of, of being an athlete, um, which was really useful for me. And so I had that existing relationship, but, the one probably defining moment was when I was basically gotten to my wit's end in the sense of, you know, I hadn't slept in weeks and um, it's quite well documented some of the things that I was going through at that period of time, but I did have the ability to reach out um, and ask her to, to help me turn things around. And um, in no small part, I think that was probably the real inflection point in terms of my own personal journey with my mental health and her um, ability to help guide me through the, the Political atmosphere at any football club that would exist in terms of a player of my um, pay scale taking time away to deal with mental health was really useful. Um, navigating some of the more practical elements of, you know, statements and um, decision making surrounding whether to come out and tell everyone how is actually what was actually going on, or basically to um, to provide some sort of gentle cover up. Was, was really useful and then obviously to support me on my journey back to being you know something that resembled the person I'd been was, was really really integral to my journey so in no small part Lisa was yeah a massive massive assistance to me and you know it still it I still see her to this day I've got an appointment with her this afternoon actually wow, so i nice. um, more than happy to uh to endorse, please feel
0: a wonderful part of my life. Yeah, great. Tommy, I know you're a busy man, so I'll try and be quick. I could talk to you all day, mate, really, but a couple of things I really wanted to know. So um, you explained that you wished uh, you knew these lessons when you were younger going into the, the footy world and you learned these things later on. If you could speak to a 15- a or 16-year-old Tom Boyd right now, what, what things would you tell him?
1: Yeah, I love this question, and the reason I do is that um, – there's two ways you can frame it. You can either say, Oh, what would you change? What would you do different? Which I think is, is a somewhat useless exercise because it's obviously not plausible. But when you talk about feeding information back to young people, I do explicitly often talk about that, you know, even in a very well-rounded school with a really um, holistic learning um, curriculum at Luther college um, and lucky to go to a, you know, pseudo private school of sorts and, um, you know, strong focus on the person. We never heard anything about this. And it's it's something that I've been openly, um, uh, or I've been open about previously, which is that, you know, my impression of people who suffered with mental health as a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old was basically the people in my school who were so afflicted by some sort of mental illness they couldn't participate in regular schooling. And I was... You know, completely ignorant or naive to the suffering of probably a large cohort of the kids surrounding me. And for me to have a better understanding of the scale of it, I think is useful Um, for understanding the symptoms of those who are dealing with it. Very useful. Um, And also for the ability to identify some of the challenges that I may be facing or be, um, you know, exposed to in the future would have been amazingly useful because as difficult as it is to reach out, as difficult as it is to um, to cope with some of these issues, the one thing that I often really think about in my own journey is the fact that the most difficult thing was admitting that there was anything really going on. And the reason for that was twofold. I mean, probably being told that it was homesickness and two, being in an environment where performance is obviously the number one priority. I really didn't want to admit to myself, and this is no one else's um fault or there's not really a fault or blame to be had but more so there's no no one else to blame in the sense that i just really didn't understand what was going on and i really didn't want to deal with it because i thought it would go away i hoped it would go away um and unfortunately it didn't it got worse and it got to the point where you know there were some really significant moments i had to make decisions to obviously impact my future and if I'd known, I think I could have been more proactive. If I'd known, I would have been much more open and I would have been more capable of asking people for help, whether that be friends, family or professionals. And um, we all go through these learning experiences in our lives and I think it's really, really important to um, to value the lessons that we've learned but also to understand that if you can, if you can teach someone a lesson that um, you took 10 years too long to learn um, when they're 15 or 16, you know, you can potentially save them a whole heap of suffering. And I think that's really, really the integral part of what I try and do, particularly when I'm talking to, uh, the school students that I do.
0: Tommy, before I ask you, uh, 10 quick questions, as I do all with all my guests, uh, you're obviously close with a few boys at the club. Now are the dogs set for another flag this year?
1: A good question. um, I'm very close with quite a few of the players and to hear the just logistical nightmare of getting up to play West Coast in Perth on the weekend mm-hmm. and then to go out and perform like they did means that there's something in there beyond the tangible, um, kicks, marks, and handballs. And I, I think that's, um, that's the most powerful thing the club can have the story behind, um, who they are and, and where they're going. And so I think that's um, a really good indication that they're definitely going to be there come, come the business end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that would be my thought process. So I think they're certainly amongst the uh, the top
0: few for sure. Nice one. I've still got the tigers. A lot of people have jumped off, but I think if it's not the tigers, I think the doggies are in with a real chance. So we'll see what happens. Ten quick questions, Tommy. Take about 30 seconds, mate, then I'll, uh, I'll let you go, all right? Uh, what is your favourite food? Um, Mexican. Your favourite place to go for a surf? Uh, the Mentawi Islands in Indonesia. Nice. What's your favourite TV show? How much mother? <laughs> Who is your idol? My dad. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Melbourne. Nice. Uh, what's your favourite family tradition? I know you're a big family man. Christmas
1: Eve, which is a Danish tradition, um, for my mum's side.
0: Nice. Are you watching Denmark in the Euros? Oh, I don't really watch too much soccer, no, unfortunately. Oh, well, they're doing well, so, mate, you'll be happy with that. Um, <laughs> your favourite teammate at the Bulldogs? Mitch Wallace. Your favourite quote?
1: Um, there's a long quote by Matthew McConaughey about chasing his hero, which is himself in 10 years' time, which I won't fully articulate, but for all of those who listen, look it up. It's very good
0: uh, Your favourite footballer Growing up Probably Chris Jard. Once he came across To Carlton I first recorded
1: them When I was younger Yep
0: And last one What is your favourite song that film
1: It's a great question No idea American Pie Don McLean The special place In my heart
0: Yeah But maybe that Yeah Brilliant, mate. Hey, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, mate. I I appreciate your time. You are an inspiration to many, and I know your story would have meant a lot to the uh, the listeners out there today. So, thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me, and uh, and good luck with everything in the future. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Ah.